morning everyone. I'm Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the minister at Richmond United Church in Melbourne and you're welcome here. You're welcome to this assembly online worship in these strange times of lockdown. You're welcome if you are part of Richmond United Church or another United Church. You're welcome if you've occasionally dipped into worship or this is the first time you have ever participated in worship. This is the fifth Sunday in Easter in the Christian liturgical calendar. And in the secular world, it's also Mother's Day. And this is often for many, many people a time of great joy and celebration, though obviously today it is more difficult because people cannot gather. But I also want to acknowledge that for others, this is a day of deep mourning. Mourning the loss of babies or children mourning the loss of not being able to have a family, mourning the loss of having family, mothers or children and having broken relationship within that. You're welcome here, come as you are. You don't have to put on a brave face for God. As we often say at Richmond, you're welcome if you're full up with faith or if doubts are pulling you down. If joy is bubbling up or if sorrow is really crushing you, God longs to meet us where we are. So please participate as much or as little as you feel able to this morning. As we begin this Facebook worship, I just have to be upfront about the fact that I have resisted screen worship for this entire lockdown period. At Richmond, we are doing audio podcast worship mostly. And my central reason for resisting this kind of worship is that I worry that it tips into performance and those who are viewing are turned into consumers, passive consumers rather than participants. And so as we begin our worship, I'm really hoping to safeguard us all from that. So there's a link on the Facebook stream to download or access the order of worship. And in that, you'll find prayers you're invited to join in with, as well as the songs. If you're having trouble finding it, go to the Richmond Uniting website. It's on there as well in online worship, Church. As well as that, I'd like to invite you, if you're a candle type of person, to light a candle. And if you're not, that's fine, but choose a space where you are, where you can focus your attention when we're praying. Because I have the sense that it's not going to help you to pray to be watching me praying. So at different moments when I invite us into prayer, I invite you to either close your eyes or to focus on your own candle. You might want to upload images of your prayer space during this worship, your worship space, so that everyone can share. And a word of warning, there'll be pauses in this worship. And I haven't lost my place. This is an invitation for all of us to sink more deeply into presence, into the presence of God, the one who's already present to us. And if you find your mind wondering if there's a pause because silence is pretty unusual in our culture, just I invite you to be gentle with yourself. Just gently bring yourself back to focus on the candle or your breath or your closed eyes or the image you want to keep your focus on in your home. I'd like us to take a moment to arrive, to take some deeper breaths,
to begin to relax our body. To allow our mind, which is often racing ahead or thinking about the past, to be present to this moment and our heart. So that we can be present to the one who's waiting for us. Let's pray. Ground of our being, water of life, fire of truth, blessed Trinity. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Namer of stars, healer of hearts, birther of risen life. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In Jesus, you come among us, healing, teaching and feasting, living and dying and rising in non-violence, disclosing your gracious love in person. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In spirit, you are as close as our breathing, holding each one of us scattered as we are, ceaselessly calling us to you. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. For here and now we are still. We rest in your love. May we worship in spirit and truth this day through Christ we pray. Amen. As we gather this day, which is beautiful in Melbourne, we honour the people of the Kulin Nation, the Wurundjeri people, the custodians of the land where Richmond Uniting Church is located, and we acknowledge First Nations across this land. We honour elders past and present and emerging and we commit ourselves again to God's yearning for justice and truth and reconciliation. We're going to continue to worship in song and it's in the order of worship. It's called As the Deer and it draws from the psalm and it has this imagery of longing for God but also of God as shield. So I invite you to sing with me. We'll see it three times.
wondering if there are some children gathered with us today and if you would like to come to the front, as we would say at church. So I want to tell you about one of my favourite places. Right near our house is the creek. And one of my favourite things to do is to walk along the bank of the creek. And sometimes, if there are not too many people around, I like to cross the creek. There are these big rocks that cross the creek. If there's not too many people around, sometimes I like to sit on this big rock right in the middle of the creek. And when I'm still for long enough, I can then begin to see these little fish that are swimming, little bugs flying around. Sometimes the ducks come quite close as well. And I like to have a prey there, sitting on the rock in the middle of the creek. And in today's psalm, the psalms are in the Bible and they're thousands of years old and Thousands of people have prayed these psalms. They're prayers. They're prayers from people. In the psalm today, it has these words. Indeed, speaking to God, Indeed, you are my rock and my fortress. I'm, I'm sure many of you know what a fortress is. It's like a high tower or a castle. And the person who's writing this psalm, I think, is actually, to be honest, feeling a little bit afraid. And they're praying to God for strength as a refuge protection and saying you will be my rock you hold me up you will hold me up even in the middle of waters and raging waters and you will guard me like being in a castle in the high tower and I think these prayers are ours as well they've been used for thousands of years and they're ours too so I wonder I wonder where you feel God's presence if it's out near the creek or in the park, maybe sitting on a rock, or if it's somewhere at home, maybe you haven't thought about it before. During our time of worship, if it's okay with those who you're sharing your house with, your mums or dads or carers, maybe you can make a picture of where you feel safe with God. It could be like this image of God wrapping a big scarf around you or holding you close, or like me with the creek and sitting on the rock. Or you could imagine yourself in a high tower or a castle. You might even, if you have Lego nearby, want to make a castle and imagine yourself being guarded by God in that place. So whatever you'd like to do, you're welcome to do it, and we're going to hear that psalm now. If grown-ups also want to make some art as part of their worship, please feel welcome to as a, a practice of prayer, drawing your own space where you encounter God. You might like to read the psalm with me. It's Psalm 31, and we're reading verses 1 to 5, and then 15 and 16. We have a practice normally of reading it in alternate verses, but I'll read it all because I can't hear you, but... Um, you may want to take these words into your heart and your life this week. In you, O oh Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me. A strong fortress to save me. 
You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. Now hear our Gospel reading. In the Easter season, we have this time in the liturgical calendar of just journeying with John's Gospel. So this is John 14, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. And it's Jesus speaking. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and still, you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but... If you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. For these words of faith and Jesus the word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Tender God, please, by alchemy of great spirit, break open these ancient words for us this day. Guide my words and all of our listening and speaking that we may hear your call to each one of us. Through Christ, the living word we pray. Amen. So, 
These words in John's Gospel are so familiar to many of us, those in the church and those who reject the church. Jesus' opening words in this reading about my father's house and there's many dwelling places, this is a reading that's often shared in funeral services. And Jesus' words about being the way and the truth and the life, these words are at times lifted out of the Bible and quoted at people. Quoted at people within the church and quoted at people who have nothing to do with the church who are walking down the street minding their own business. So many of us will come to this reading with layers of memory and sometimes layers of painful experience. The tragedy is that these words Jesus speaks in John's Gospel about being the way and the truth and the life are spoken to comfort the confused, frightened disciples. But so often Christians have cut them out of context and reshaped them into tools of judgment. So today I'm asking us to be brave. Instead of ignoring these words and choosing another reading, I'd like us to lean in closer to dive deeply into these words and into the setting in which these words emerge so that we can wrestle with what's going on here. And I hope in doing so today we can hear these words afresh and discover the astonishing beauty that is here. So first, and always, let's look at the context. So the context of these words in John's Gospel, the setting for these words, is actually back on the night that Jesus is betrayed. In John's Gospel on this night, Jesus gathers with the disciples and they share a meal, but there's no record of Jesus taking the bread and the wine and breaking it and saying, this is my body that is broken for you. None, none of this is recorded in John. Instead, over this same meal, on the night Jesus is betrayed, in John's Gospel, Jesus does the unthinkable. Jesus takes off his outer robe, ties a towel around himself, and takes a basin and washes the disciples' feet. Begins in chapter 13. And after doing this, Jesus is like, yes, I am Lord, but this is how I choose to embody power. And then Jesus says, do the same. Do the same. You ought to wash one another's feet, become servants to one another. Lose the ego. And in case they've missed the point, Jesus goes on to underscore what he is doing and says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. But this everyone will know that you are my disciples. You can imagine the disciples' faces. How confused they are. They've been journeying with Jesus They've been seeing all the amazing things that Jesus has been doing, hearing the astonishing things that he is saying. They have seen the crowd grow and grow and grow and they're expecting a glorious crescendo. Jesus has now entered Jerusalem. They're hoping that there'll be a regaining of power, a liberation from the occupying forces of Rome. And now on this night in Jerusalem, Jesus is acting like a shameful servant, washing their stinking feet. And what is more, Jesus is saying that they should do the same thing. Now, 
top it all off in our reading today while their feet are still glistening. Jesus is talking about leaving them. And the disciples are like, what? And it's Thomas. Courageous Thomas who dares to be honest. Thomas who will not be silent, who will not just go along with the crowd, who dares to speak the truth and says, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How? How can we know the way? This is when Jesus makes the claim, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's tragic that these extraordinary words have so often been bled dry of their meaning, of the revelation at their heart and refashioned into weapons of judgment and exclusion. I wonder if you've had someone say to you or to someone else in your hearing, you're excluded from God's embrace unless you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Or I wonder if you've received a pamphlet or heard from the pulpit, you're excluded from God's love, you're bound for hell unless you confess these particular words about Jesus. When the Bible is treated like a book of quotes that we can snip words out of in order to terrorise people into faith, we are treating the Bible, our sacred text, with utter contempt. So while I know these words can be a trigger for some, I'd like us to stay here a little longer and unpack what's going on. Because the thing is, what Jesus is saying here in John's Gospel, around the table with their feet still wet and drying off, he's saying that how I am is the truth. How I am is the way. How I am is the life. Jesus is saying, I embody divine reality in person. I embody divine reality in person. And what has Jesus just done? Jesus, who is Lord, has just chosen to act like a servant, lovingly wiping away the grot and tenderly caring for each and every one, washing their feet, graciously caring for these confused, totally missing the point disciples. These disciples who still really don't understand who Jesus is and who most of whom will betray him within hours. Jesus loves them and cares for them regardless. In this, we dramatically encounter who and how God is. In case we miss this point, this reality is underscored in Philip's question and Jesus' slightly exasperated answer. Philip asks, look, show us the way to the Father. And Jesus replies, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Here, Jesus is proclaiming, I embody divine reality. In me, you see who and how God is. In me, you see the heart of God. And Jesus says to Philip, just to really make it clear, believe me because of the works themselves. Here Jesus underscores that his actions are the place of revelation. 
So how does Jesus act according to the gospel in the Last Supper? But right throughout the ministry, healing, teaching, including, feeding, serving, forgiving, and forgiving, and forgiving. And challenging the religious elite who dare to make claims about who God excludes. If we take what is going on here seriously, our minds and our worlds are blown open. In Jesus, we see extraordinary grace in living, in dying, in dying in non-violence and rising in peace. And it is this one, Jesus, who claims in me you see God. In me you see God. Here it is proclaimed that in Jesus we see and taste and touch and encounter divine reality. We hold, behold the divine isness at the heart of the universe and it looks like this. Scandalous, serving, forgiving, healing love. Jesus' claims here in John's Gospel are not about judgment and about people being excluded from God's grace. In contrast, Jesus' claims about embodying divine reality, about being the way, being the truth and being the life, they demand, these claims demand that all our false images of God, God as judge, God as terrorizer, God as condemner, all of those images be put down. Because this is the thing, for us as Christians, if our image of God does not look like Jesus in the Gospels, how Jesus teaches and heals and acts and lives and dies and rises, well, we're missing the point. Like Philip today. When we take seriously what Jesus is claiming here in John, about being the way and the truth and the life, when we take Jesus seriously, then in Jesus we discover divine reaction, reality. And all, all of our vengeful images of God, all our fearful images of God casting out and punishing and excluding, they have to be put down because they're idols. That image of God is not who God is embodied in Jesus. They're much closer to Zeus, the Greek and Roman gods, than any, any image that Jesus bears. Christianity is not about scaring people into faith, trying to convince them to recite a particular form of words in order to buy off God's grace, to escape hellfire. Christian faith is about discovering the utterly radical truth and life and way at the heart of the universe that is embodied in Jesus. That love divine that we're called into. Because that's the thing. We're not called just to agree with it. We're called to enter into it, to let this tender, shocking God meet us, serve us, heal us and transform us bit by bit 
so that more and more we can get free of fear and enter more deeply into the divine dance. The rhythm and flow of God's compassion for all things. And to naturally begin to let that love flow through us so we can share that with all and become more like Jesus. The radiance of God. Amen. At, at Richmond Uniting, we normally have the practice of having some stillness now and then space for people to respond. We have conversations. I can't hear you. Um, but I encourage you just to have a moment of stillness by yourself. And then to share with those around you if you're lucky enough to be in lockdown with others. Or you might want to do some uh, journaling or reflecting just in what you've heard and, and what's speaking to you. So just take a moment for that stillness first and then conversation with those around you or with yourself. continue that conversation throughout today or that reflection throughout today or the week and if you want to go back to the text I so encourage you to start at the beginning of chapter 13 so you can read the whole passage in context all around the world in the Christian tradition there is this pattern of what's usually called prayers of confession a weekly pattern we call them prayers of letting go because the word in the New Testament for forgive, aphaio, the Greek word, it literally means release. Like you would release a captive or someone who's been kidnapped or a prisoner. And I think this helps us to remember that. So this is not this weekly guilt trip from the minister where you have to try and think of something terrible you've done to be able to confess it. It's an invitation, a really, uh, I think, quite radical invitation in our culture into truth to recognise week by week what is binding us up. And it will be different for each of us and it will be different from season to season in our lives. Sometimes it's fear that's binding us up. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's holding on to something from the past and just not being able to let it go. And so this invitation is not into guilt, but into allowing God to be close to those places and to seek God's strength to let go, to be released. So again, there'll be silence and I haven't lost my place. This is space for all of us to get real with God. So let's pray. Holy One, Sacred Three. Blessed Trinity, in Jesus you call us into the truth of your divine reality, shimmering, radiant love. And you call us to live into this, loving you and loving our neighbours and loving ourselves. 
forgive us when we keep you at a distance because we are afraid of you, afraid of getting it wrong, afraid of being rejected by you. Please set us free. Forgive us when we withdraw our love from others, judging others, belittling others, ignoring others, competing with others. Please set us free for love. Forgive us when we show no compassion to ourselves, refusing to let you serve us or heal us, but instead striving to earn your approval as heroes or martyrs. Please set us free for love. In the silence, we tell you our truth. Christ, our liberator, we pray. Amen. Here there's words of St. Paul's. God was in Christ. Sound like John's Gospel? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to God's self and not counting our trespasses against us, but entrusting to us, us, the message of reconciliation. So friends, Hear Christ's word of grace to every single one of us. Your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. We're going to pray for our beautiful broken world. You might like to, you don't have to, but you might like to post the people you are praying for this day and I'll be lighting some candles in a moment representing those prayers. You might just like to sink into that stillness. There are different ways, I think, to imagine what is happening in prayers and intercession. But one of the ways that uh, resonates with me is to imagine being a conduit for grace, for that light of Christ coming through us and out to those situations. Let's pray. God of grace and surprises and healing. We give thanks for all those who are working to make our global village safe. Please strengthen doctors and nurses, cleaners and teachers, all frontline workers. Please give wisdom to policymakers and political leaders. Please give creativity and insight and stamina to those working on vaccines. We pray for those who are unsafe at home at this time and for those in insecure housing. May wise supports come forward. May all violence be called to account. 
We pray for people experiencing homelessness. We give thanks for governments providing new housing right now for those sleeping rough, but we pray for lasting policy changes so that all may find shelter. We pray today for those who are lonely, those who are grief-stricken, those who are dying. May they find strength to reach out to community, may community reach out to them, and may they have a sense of your healing, holding presence with them, even as they travel through these dark valleys. We give thanks that amidst all of the grief of COVID-19 that our ecosystems are being able to rest a little with less pollution and traffic, we pray for lasting changes in policy so that care of the earth is a priority. Give strength to all those advocating for the protection of your precious earth. We think of those preparing for the global strike next week. And we pray that systems and individuals who spread hate and division and fear, especially those who do this in your name, dear God, we pray that they will be called to account and changed. We pray for the worldwide church, our own tradition, the Uniting Church, for our President Deirdre, for all leaders, all members, all those who are part of the Uniting Church, may we be known by your love. May we be known by your love. May we be known by your love. And we pray for those on our hearts. Through Christ we pray in hope and confidence. Amen. I'm about to invite us into praying an alternate version of the Lord's Prayer. But a few words around it first. This prayer is in Uniting in Worship too. For those who are curious, you can go and look it up. And it speaks of God as mother and father. And for some people that might be quite shocking in the claim is, well, Jesus used the word father, Abba. But friends, Jesus was not making a claim about the gender of God. Jesus was trying to invite people into intimacy with God as protector. 
trying to help shatter their illusions of God as this far-off, aloof and frightening king. Jesus was using this language of Abba as the intimate one. And clearly, God is beyond gender in Judeo-Christian tradition if we take seriously the first creation story where it is recorded that proclaimed that God made them in God's image, male and female. So while I imagine many of you will love this prayer, for some of you this will be uh, shocking or bracing, I invite you to wrestle with it and to uh, engage with the claim that Jesus is making, especially on this Mother's Day, especially as Jesus images himself as a mother in the Gospels, the mother hen longing to gather up and protect, leaning into both God as mother and father. So it's in the order of worship, I invite you to pray with me. Life giver, pain bearer, love maker, source of all that is and that shall be, father and mother of us all, Loving God, in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by all peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. Across the United Church, different congregations are choosing to do different things with Holy Communion. And at Richmond United, we're fasting from Holy Communion in lockdown. And part of the reason for this is standing in solidarity with all those who are hungry. Hungry for food, hungry for the presence of God, hungry for community. Uh, dear friends and colleagues, Reverend Jenny Gordon has written the most beautiful prayer and she's given permission for this to be used today. I invite you to pray it with me if you would like to. It talks about fasting from the feast. So let us pray together. Jesus, at whose table I have found welcome, and who sits beside me now in the fasting from the feast, bless this space of holding back. Bless it with gratitude for the times upon times when I have opened my hand and felt the solemn bread rest in my palm and known the blessing of your holy brokenness crumbling into my own. Bless this space of holding back. 
Bless it with forgiveness for the times upon times when I've held the cup and forgotten the cost of such a love outpouring and gulped the wine with scant regard for the crushing of the fruit. Bless this space of holding back. Bless it with hope for the times upon times when we will meet again and open our hungry hands and hold the brimming cup and share this sacred meal together. Jesus, at whose table I have found welcome and who sits beside me now, stay with me through the fasting to the feast and evermore and evermore. Amen. We're going to sing again. And I think you'll know it. It's love divine. And in this hymn, Wesley names it. Names what Jesus is saying here in this passage that in Jesus we see divine reality. Love divine. In Jesus. You might want to stand. It feels like a rousing hymn that we should all be singing together. And gee, it sounds good when you've got a couple of hundred people or more singing together. Let's sing together about Jesus who is all compassion, the face of God.
much for joining in this worship and I'd like to thank the Assembly for inviting me to lead this week. Next week, Reverend Teresa Sully will be leading worship. Friends, a blessing for the journey. The journey through this week in these very strange times. In Christ Jesus, we encounter divine reality and are invited to participate in the divine life of love. So go, nourished by God's compassion, ready to share this with everyone you meet, all things. And as you go, may the blessing of God, Holy One, Sacred Three, Holy Mystery, Holy Wisdom, Holy Flame, be upholding you, be infusing you, and be guarding you.